This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, yo, welcome to episode 22 of the Clip City Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Today's podcast is sponsored by Harry's. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set. Uh, it is a good deal, and I recommend you check that out. It has now been a little over a week, uh, about 10 days since Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have become Clippers. And a lot has changed. The Clippers have become the Vegas favorites, uh, really across the league at Summer League, talking to uh, people in the media, talking to agents, talking to league executives, scouts from other teams. Everyone unanimously kind of thinks that the you know the, the Clippers are now the best team in the league. Uh, you're adding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to a 48 win core, a, you know, a team that pushed a healthy Warriors squad to six games in the first round of the playoffs. And yes, the Clippers are losing Daniel Gallinari and Shea Gilders-Alexander, two key pieces, you know, two of their best four or five players last season. But Kawhi Leonard and Paul George more than offset uh, those two losses. And then on top of that, they're adding Mo Harkless and Roddy Magruder to the bench, uh, which I think really, you know, compared to guys like Garrett Temple or Wilson Chandler, uh, Ty Wallace, like, you know, no disrespect to any of those guys, but I, I think that Mo Harkless and Rodney Magruder are considerable, noticeable upgrades uh, over those two, uh, especially Harkless. You know, Har- Harkless is a guy who would be starting for probably half the league right now uh, if he were in a different situation. And, and for him to be coming off the bench, probably going to be playing like 15 to 18 minutes a night. Uh, you know, I, I think that just really illustrates the, the Clippers depth. It's something I just wrote about, uh, you know, I, I just wrote about today for the athletic is, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to figure out the rotation. I, I think the one thing that will play into the Clippers favor is that Kawhi Leonard, is most likely going to load manage and rest 15 to 20 games. You know, he, he did 22 games last season. Uh, would not surprise me if he does a little bit less, uh, just because uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with Paul George and when he's going to come back and, you know, kind of how that situation is going to play out. He's supposed to be reevaluated during training camp, but a reevaluation does not mean a return. You know, it is very likely that Paul George misses half, if not most of training camp and preseason, and that could potentially bleed into the regular season. You know, it would not surprise me if we're looking at a potential November or even December return for Paul George. Now that's maybe a conservative uh, guesstimation, but I, I would say, you know, you, you can't really rule that out at this point. And, and if that's the case, uh, you know, for as much as Kawhi wants the rest, I, I think there might be some pressure from the Clippers side of, 
hey, like we we need you. You know, we don't want to fall too far behind in the playoff race or, you know, sort of at least not be in that top mix. Uh, yeah, I think the Clippers are good enough on any given night, depending on the matchup, to be competitive even without Kawhi and Paul George. But, uh, you know, in, in that scenario, again, going back to like the, the Shea and Gallo element of things, you're basically looking at last year's roster without Shea and Gallo. And then that team, you know, probably is not a playoff team. That, that team is, you know, probably around 500, maybe even a little bit below 500. So uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see you know, when George returns, uh, if he maybe himself adopts a style of load management. Um, you know, obviously he had that horrific leg injury a few years ago, and then now he had two shoulder procedures this summer. Uh, so, you know, he, he himself uh, at 29 needs to be careful of, of how he ages and, and kind of the the load he takes on during the regular season. So it would not surprise me if, if Kawhi Leonard's load management rubs off a little bit on Paul George or even the Clippers suggested to him and he rests, you know, anywhere from five to 15 games this season. So uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how, how the rotation plays out. Uh, to me, I think the ideal starting lineup uh, with this group would be Avita Zubats at center, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George at the two forward spots and Landry Shamit and Pat Beverly uh, in the backcourt. But at the same time, I, I understand how these things work. And I look at two guys in LeBron James and Kevin Durant, who are both bigger than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And neither one of those two has wanted to play the four full time. You know, both guys, you know, despite, I mean, LeBron's basically a power forward size, if not even a small center size at this point. Uh, Katie, of course, is 6'11, 7 feet. Um, you know, those two guys really should be playing the four full time or, or close to it. And they really have refused. And, and now you're seeing the same thing uh, with, with Anthony Davis with the Lakers, where he doesn't want to play the five. So they brought in JaVale and McGee and, and DeMarcus Cousins to kind of slide him to the four almost full time. Uh, so guys really get kind of caught up in what position they are and, and oftentimes playing down a position versus playing up. So, you know, and then on top of that, you know, we don't, Kawhi played a little bit of four with Toronto, especially late in games, you know, close games in the playoffs. Uh, they sometimes went with a, um, you know, uh, Van Vliet and, and Kyle Lowry in the backcourt, um, you know, with, with uh, I mean, a lot of times it was like a Baca, Siakam, Kawhi, Kawhi at the three, but sometimes they went with him at the four next to Siakam or Gasol or, or Baca, and then maybe Danny Green at the three. Or, so they, they kind of mixed it up a lot, but Kawhi did get some cracks at the four during the playoffs, but it was not something he did full time. It was not something he did 50% of the time. So I, I'm a little skeptical that he's going to, accept that and then on top of that you have paul george who uh famously shot down that notion when frank vogel suggested it to him in i believe it was 2015 uh where the, the pacers wanted to switch george to the four after he actually started his career as a two next to danny granger who, who was the pacers small forward and paul you know moved up to the three uh you know he's, he's six eight he's six nine so he's got the long arms so you could play the four uh, theoretically, but he shot that down. He, he was not comfortable with it. He didn't like that. And that was four years ago. So so maybe, um, you know, maybe maybe he's more open to it now. And even though this is something I, I uh, also just wrote about was I talked to Tom Thibodeau last week at Summer League about how good this Clippers defense could be potentially. And he said he thought it could be historically good, as good as that 08 Celtics team, which, you know, many consider 
one of the best, if not the best defenses, you know, modern defenses of all time. Uh, you had prime or, you know, just kind of out of his prime, Kevin Garnett, but he got defensive player of the year that year. You had prime Tony Allen. You had prime Rondo defensively. Uh, you, you had James Posey, who was a really good defender, defended LeBron James and Kobe Bryant fairly well. Um, you, you had, you know, Paul Pierce, who, who, you know, could hold his own defensively at that time. Uh, Kendrick Perkins was a rim protector and, and a, you know, tough, rugged, physical defender. Uh, even PJ Brown was solid guys like Leon Poe, uh, even big baby, like big baby was was solid that year defensively. Like, you know, really one through 10, one through 11, the Celtics had a, a lot of solid defenders. Um, you know, a lot of guys who were average at worst and that, that team, you know, really is, especially looking at like Garnett, Allen, Posey, Rondo and, and Perkins, like those five. Um, that, that was a really, really good defensive team, you know, a, a historically elite defensive team, if you look at the numbers. And Thibodeau said he, he feels that this Clippers team could, could replicate a lot of that. Now, they don't have the same interior strengths that that Celtics team had. You know, again, that, that team had Garnett and um, and Perkins and, and Poe and, and, you know, even Posey kind of played some four. And, you know, they, they were good inside, and especially Garnett was just a one-man defense unto himself. But you know, where the Clippers kind of can make their mark is Kawhi and Paul George defensively are probably the best perimeter defensive tandem we've seen since Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. And then you're throwing in a guy like Harkless, who was a defensive stopper for a Portland team that just made the conference finals, has made it out of the first round a few times over the last few years with him. Uh, you have a guy like Magruder, who's a tough physical defender. You have Patrick Beverly, who I haven't even mentioned yet, who is, you know, one of the best uh, perimeter small guard defenders in the league, guy who who can play up. We saw him defending Paul George last season. We saw him defending LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant. So I think if you look at the the perimeter, and then you know a guy like Landry Shamit, who I think is really under, underrated defensively, uh, he stepped up in the playoffs. He defended Steph Curry. Uh, you know I've said this before, but I thought that was probably the Clippers' best uh, adjustment in the series was putting Shamit on Curry. Uh, you know, maybe outside of starting Jermichael Green, which worked really well. Um, so, you know, Shamit, I think, can hold his own. Uh, and, real, and, you know, Vita Zubats is one of the more underrated rim protectors in the league. You know, he's not the most mobile defender, you know, struggles playing up on screens and, and switching and, and kind of having to come outside the paint. But if you keep him in the paint, uh, his rim protection numbers are actually pretty good, as are his defensive rebounding numbers. So, and then you got Jermichael Green, who is a guy who defends three through five, uh, you, you know, a, another kind of solid, tough defender. Even Trez, you know, is a bit of a rim protector. Um, you know, he, he get into foul trouble and, and you know, sometimes kind of try to block too many shots. But for the most part, uh, he's a solid defender, too. So really looking up and down the Clippers 10 to 11 man rotation, at least eight or nine of the guys you would say are average to above average defenders. And that's really key. And I think that's what's going to make this defense special. But to get back to what, what Thibodeau said that I thought was really interesting was that between Kawhi and Paul George, even though Paul George is probably a little bit taller than Kawhi and, and uh, you know, definitely longer than him, um, he thinks Kawhi is more of the four. And, and I kind of agree because I think what one of the things we saw with Kawhi during that historic playoff run with Toronto was just how strong he was and, and just his ability – to go you know toe to toe with guys his size and bigger and really body them and bump them and and just kind of push them around and 
we saw what happened with, with Kavon Looney in, in the finals and, you know, him kind of cracking his, his sternum or ribs, whatever happened with him when he collided with Kawhi in air, um, you know, Kawhi, despite being a couple inches shorter, listed at, I don't know what, 20, 30 pounds lighter than, than Kavon Looney. Uh, you know, he, he got the better end of that. And there is just sort of that almost like the, the LeBron element where he's not as big as LeBron, but LeBron, you know, we know how strong LeBron is. And, and there's been plenty of interactions where he's had with bigger guys where he just bumps them. You know, they take the rough end of that hit. It's the same thing with Kawhi. And I think, you know, really, if you're looking at who's going to probably have to defend the bigger guys, you'd probably go with the the, the stronger, more filled out guy like Kawhi versus a Paul George, who's a little more slender, uh, a little more light uh, than, than Kawhi is. So I think it's really a matter of does Kawhi want to play the four versus does Paul George want to play the four? You know, again, Paul George has already shot down that notion. Uh, I don't think he's going to do it. It's really a matter of if Kawhi will. And and really, you know, the, the thing with the whole starting thing is there aren't that many bulky power forwards anymore. Like you can go down the list. There's Blake Griffin. There, there's Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, you know, Paul Millsap, Julius Randle, um, maybe Zion if he plays four. Like and there's probably a couple other names I'm not thinking of. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis isn't really bulky, but he is huge. You know, he's six eleven, seven feet. Um, but outside of the, that, you know, six to eight guys like the other 20 22 power forwards are all basically you know stretch bigs or or guys playing up a position um even a guy like draymond like you know Kawhi or paul george could easily match up with draymond like that's not really a concern on the defensive end for those guys or, or on the you know on the glass so i think there are a lot of cases you know P, like looking at houston pj tucker um Looking at Milwaukee, you know, they tend to go – last year they went with Miritich a lot, but, you know, they might go with Giannis or, or uh, Middleton, depending on, you know, who they want to designate as, as the four in that uh, lineup. Like, I mean, Philly, Philly's, Philly's a bit of a outlier with Horford and Tobias. That's a pretty big 3-4 pairing. But, but even then, like, you know, Horford is not like a huge offensive rebounder that you necessarily have to be worried about. So I, I really think if you look at the teams the Clippers are going to be concerned with and are going to have to match up with eventually, whether it's the playoffs, uh, you know, in the West or, or the finals, potentially, uh, I don't think that four spot is that big of a concern. Really, the, the, the one concern is Anthony Davis, but he's a concern for the entire league. There's really no great defensive matchup for Anthony Davis. But outside of that, uh, I, I just don't really see a frightening, like even like, let's just say, you know, it's, it's Blake or, or LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't think the Spurs, like, first off, I don't even know if the Pistons are making the playoffs and they're definitely not making the finals. And same could be said with the Spurs. Like, if the Spurs make the playoffs, they're probably a seven or eight seed and they're not making it out of the first round. So I, I just think that, um, you know, th this kind of premature talk of our, our Kawhi, you know, wh what's going to happen with those two? You know, who's going to play the four? Who's going to play this? Like, I, look, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I don't think that should be a concern for either of those players or, or for the Clippers in terms of how they match up with, with most fours in the league. Now, with that said, again, I'm skeptical that they're either one is going to accept that role or responsibility. So what I think is more likely is those guys play at the three and the two, probably Kawhi at the three, Paul George at the two, back to his Indiana roots. And you're going to have those kind of those two anchoring those two positions. And then you're most likely going to have Zubats at center. I think Pat Beverly at point guard. You can maybe make the case Landry Shamit 
could be the one. Um, I, I know the Clippers are planning on giving the ball to him more this season, kind of having him be that primary ball handler. But, um, you know, I just – I think that's a lot to entrust in a second-year guard who really played almost exclusively off the ball last season. And, and I, I just don't – I think the Clippers are going to give him more responsibility, but I would be kind of shocked if Doc was like, yeah, go be the primary ball handler next to Kawhi and Paul George. Like, if, if he – again, if they go small and he's a secondary ball handler – that's one thing, but for, for Doc to kind of hand over the keys to him in this scenario, I would be kind of surprised. So I think a guy like Pat kind of makes a little bit more sense. Um, he, he's a three and D guard. He showed in Houston that he can play off ball dominant wings really well. And I think he's going to be a combination of spotting up for threes and running the offense. And I think that's like the perfect role offensively for Pat. So I, I think it's going to be Pat and, and Zoo uh spearheading you know the five and the one you're gonna have Kawhi and Paul George in there and then that last spot is going to be uh it's gonna come down to Jermichael Green at the four which would be Kawhi and Paul George playing down or Landry Shaman at the two and Kawhi and Paul George playing up now for my money I, I would rather them play up and go small I just think that that's the way the league is trending um you know it's been trending and, and has trended and on top you know you know, and along those same lines, like I think it is, a, it's an advantage for the Clippers actually if you have Kawhi or Paul George going up against uh, you know those slower fours. Like Blake Griffin is not matching up with Kawhi or Paul George. Um, you know, Paul Paul Millsap maybe could, but um, you know Al Horford that's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him. Uh, you know, like on and on down like Zion, like he, he's going to struggle to guard those guys. So on and on down the line, like Marcus Aldridge, like. On and on down the line, I, I just think that the Clippers would create more matchup issues uh, than they would face if, if they had those two at the three and the four. But that's something we'll see. Um, my projection right now is, is Zubats, Jermichael, Kawhi, Paul George, and Pat. Um, I, you know, I just think that's the most likely scenario. The Clippers are also, you know, they re-signed Jermichael, uh, you know, in a, with the room exception. Uh, and it's a two-year, $10 million deal, was below market value. He had interest from Denver, uh, the Spurs, and the Knicks, and he turned down double-digit offers to stay with the Clippers to have an important role on a championship contender. So I, I think you know, with that context to the Jamichael situation, it probably makes some sense that there's maybe an under-the-table, like, yeah, you're going to start, we're going to give you, you know, 25 minutes a game or whatever, and let you shine, you know, he's probably going to play a lot of small ball five, um, uh, you know, and, and a lot of minutes of, of him and Trez at the four and the five. So I think with, with Jermichael, you know, just might be a situation where because he has that player option in his second year, uh, you know, this year is going to be about building up his value and, and kind of helping him get back the money he lost by taking a pay cut to help the Clippers out. Because if, if he, you know, if they had struck out and Jermichael had left, there really would not have been an avenue to replace him. Like if you look at the guys who are still available, the guys who were available when the Clippers agreed to resign Jermichael, there was no one really in the realm of Jermichael Green. Maybe the Clippers could have been more aggressive with other free agents had they known Jermichael was leaving, but I just don't think that they would have been able to recoup that value. They would have had to go with, um, you know, I can't even, that's the thing I can't even think of. Like this was, this, you, the, this was a top-heavy free agent class, and, and really, like the first thirty to forty names 
were really, really good players. But outside of that, it, it kind of dried up quickly. And you're seeing now there's a lot of guys who are unsigned who are going to have to sign for the minimum uh, just because of how quickly the, the money went and, and how much money was spent on those first 30 to 40 guys. So I just I think the Clippers, frankly, would have been screwed had Jermichael Green not resigned with them. And, and kind of as a favor for him, you know, taking a bit of a pay cut and, and staying with them, I think they're going to reward him by, by you know, possibly starting him, making sure he has a prominent role and, and kind of building up his value. So next summer, when the Frasian class uh, is really not that good, you know, there really are no stars uh, outside of, I guess, Draymond Green you know, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, like th- those aren't the sexiest names. Those aren't really franchise game changers necessarily. Uh, those are more like second and third guys that you add to uh, a star. Um, I think a guy like Jermichael, I-, I think a guy like Trez, um, you know, both guys in contract years could get paid a lot. And, and that's where um, this whole rotation thing gets super interesting because the Clippers have Jermichael, Trez, and Mo Harkless all in contract years. They have Landry Shamit and Evita Zubats two young guys trying to prove themselves. You obviously have Kawhi and Paul George who are well-established as superstars, top 10 guys in the league. And then you got, you know, Pat and, and Lou, um, you know, two guys who are prideful veterans who I think the Clippers might have to be cautious with their minutes just because uh, they're both north of 30, Pat's 31, Lou's 32. Uh, but at the same time, both those guys love to hoop. Uh, they, they love to play. And uh, I think, you know, now that they're in a very competitive situation, you uh, you know, I think both guys are, especially Lou, who, who if you look at really his, you know, playoff kind of resume and, and, you know, the teams he's been on, Lou is not really, bit, you know, this is probably on paper the best team either guy has been on. And I think both those guys are, are going to be licking their chops, looking to play. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough to kind of tell either one of them, if not both, like, hey, we need you to take a little bit of a step back. You know, we're adding 33 to 35 minutes for, for Kawhi and Paul George each. You got Landry who needs to play and develop. Um, you know, now we're adding Harkless and, and Magruder on the wings too. And, and, you know, Pat and Lou, you guys might need to play a little bit less. You guys might need to split the, the point guard minutes uh, and, and, you know, take a, a few minutes, you know, decrease a few minutes off your workload. And um, so I, I think the rotation thing is going to be super interesting because last season, Doc, I think, juggled it fairly well and, and he managed trying to win now versus developing the young guys. You know, the Clippers found that balance. Uh, Shea started after game 10 they, they traded for Landry and, and you know uh, started him pretty much you know the the whole time he was a clipper and, and even Jerome got in there for you know 10 to 15 minutes a night when he was playing and, and you know they struck that balance of, of Zubat's another guy that that uh, started you know after the trade so they struck that balance of looking to win now and thinking about the present versus developing their guys for the future I think this season that's going to be more of a challenge because you know if if Landry for example you know, goes to a shooting slump or isn't playing well, I don't know if the Clippers still view it as like we need to give our our sophomore guard um, you know X amount of time or, or X amount of reps versus like no we need to win right now like you know especially with the Kawhi load management with Paul George's uncertainty with his shoulders the Clippers margin for error is going to be very very slim if non-existent you know like every time they're healthy, you know, every game, every possession is going to matter more and more because now the Clippers aren't, their goals are higher than last season. They're not just thinking like, Oh, you know, it's a nice story to make the playoffs. It's like, no, we want to be the one seed. We want to have home court throughout 
you know, the, 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 the entire playoffs and, you know, have a chance, you know, put ourselves in the best possible position to win a championship. So I, I think that, you know, it's just the, the stakes are higher. Um, kind of the, the prism, everything is going to be viewed through it is, is just more elevated where, you know, doc, that's another thing that is going to be the rookies, um, you know, Fiondu, Calvin Gelli and, and Terrence Mann both have looked really good in summer league. Uh, I, I got to say that, for, for people jumping to conclusions of, you know, is Fee going to be the backup center and uh, is Terrence going to be the backup point guard? Like, summer league competition is worse than G League competition. Like, if if you look at the, you know, the, the top six to eight guys on a G League team versus the top six to eight guys on a summer league team, the G League players are, are typically much better. So, um, you know, it's not, to, it's not to diminish the value of summer league and, and kind of, um, you know, say it's, it's completely – meaningless or there's not much you can take away but at the same time you know I, I talked to several draft people several you know league executives who i was like you know what can i take away from this what what, what do you you know what do you watch when you're watching summer league what what do you take away and pretty much unanimously everyone was like to be honest like nothing like this doesn't really matter like you know look at a guy like kevin knox who, who killed it last year in summer league only to have one of the least efficient uh offensive seasons ever for a rookie you know, one of the worst rookie seasons ever on, on that end. Um, like summer, league, we see it all the time. Where even a guy, you know, last summer like Josh Hart, you know, I think it was the summer league MVP, or maybe it was the summer before, or whatever. But like, then he comes out and like doesn't have a good shooting year and, and kind of struggles offensively. So summer league does not necessarily correlate to the regular season. I, I think what what Fee and Terrence have shown in summer league is they are both. NBA roster worthy players. I mean, you, you had to you had to hope Fee was because he was a first round pick, and, and I think he showed that. But with Terrence, like Ter- Terrence was impressive, and you know that that his ball handling, his court vision, his instincts, you know, for a wit, you know, he's kind of a point guard in a wings body, like that is impressive. But again, for for that to translate to the regular season, I'm a bit skeptical. I think you got to see that in training camp. You got to see that in the preseason before you really start to take it seriously, you know, the, the Clippers signed him to a four-year deal. I, I think he's going to have a, a chance to crack the rotation, uh, you know, the, the season after next, or maybe the season after that. But I, I think it's way too early to say, Hey, Terrence Mann is in the top eight or nine man rotation or, or even the 10 man rotation. Like, is he maybe 11 or 12? Sure. Uh, you know, the Clippers only have 13 guys right now. Uh, but I, I just don't see, he or fee you know, like already there's gonna be a squeeze at the center position you have zubots who averaged 20 minutes a game last year you have jamichael who averaged 20 minutes a game primarily at the four backing up gallo uh and a little bit at the five then you have trez who's 26 27 minutes a game right there so that's like 66 67 minutes uh and there's only 48 minutes at center so you know trez and zoo will probably get the bulk of the center minutes but you know, the Clippers were really effective with, with Jermichael at center with the way he shot the ball last season and, and his mobility defensively. That's a look they're, they're going to have to throw out at some point. So I do think that, you know, there's going to be a squeeze um, just in the rotation in terms of every minute is going to count. And I, I really think the Clippers are probably going to go with a 10-man rotation, maybe 11, and the 11th will probably be Jerome Robinson. And, and you know, there is always politics in all of this. And I think, you know, when people, some people have said Terrence is already better than Jerome, and that might be true. Uh, I don't think it's definitive, but that might be true. And even if it is true, though, 
you know, the, the context is Terrence is a second round pick rookie and Jerome is a sophomore lottery pick. And, you know, nine out of 10 times, regardless of who the team is, they're going to favor the sophomore lottery pick. Like, you know, that, that that's sometimes what's frustrating with, with some of these guys who get drafted so early is, you know, they get shot after shot, opportunity after opportunity because of where they were drafted, because people still see potential in them. Um, you know, and Jerome, I know is, is someone that the Clippers are still relatively high on, you know, someone they still believe can at worst be a rotation player for them, uh, if not a, a starter level player at some point. So the Clippers have not given up on Jerome yet. Um, you know, does that mean he, he's going to be a Clipper forever? Like, no, not necessarily. Uh, does that mean he, he might not, you know, he might be traded at some point in the future? Like, no, I, I can't rule that out. But as long as he's on the roster, uh, I do think he's going to get opportunity after opportunity to play. I think the Clippers are going to see what's under the hood and, and see really, you know, last season he dealt with a foot injury. He de- dealt with some confidence issues. I think they're going to give him every shot to break out of that and, and you know, uh, you know, kind of prove his worth as a, as a shooter, as a floor spacer, as a secondary ball handler. Um, you know, he, he's looked a lot more comfortable in the G League than he has in the NBA with his, his ball handling, running the offense, creating plays for others, creating plays for himself. I think you're going to try, they're going to try to bring that out of him with the second unit. And I think you're going to see Jerome handling the ball a lot more uh, when he plays. So, you know, on top of all the, the depth and, and kind of rotational squeezes that's going to happen uh, just in terms of pretty much everyone is probably going to play less than they, they want to outside of Kawhi and Paul George, who will play as much as they want to. Um, you know, I, I just don't see Terrence and Fee really like, it's going to be hard to play Fee over Jermichael or, or over Zoo. It's going to be hard to play Terrence over Harkless, Magruder, Jerome. Like those guys have the seniority and have proven themselves more like Mo Harkless and Rodney Magruder were, were primary starters last season for their respective teams. Like Jermichael Green, um, you know, became the starter in the playoffs and, for Doc, you know, unless those guys are completely tanking and having a Avery Bradley level season uh, last year, um, you know, good luck, Laker fans. As long as they're not doing that, like, I just don't see any scenario in which the rookies, who are probably number 12 and 13 uh, on the roster right now in terms of the, the depth chart, uh, I just don't see any way they're playing over those guys. Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to play. It doesn't mean they, you know, blowouts or, or um, you know, maybe situationally, Doc may test things out. Uh, you know, he, he does like to dip into his rotation, sometimes go 11, 12 deep on a given night. But I just don't see those guys earning consistent minutes, barring an injury. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricant strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. 
claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. All right, so I recently wrote an article titled Five Early Questions That Will Define the Clippers 2019-2020 Season. I don't want to spoil the article. I suggest you read that on The Athletic. But I'll go into a little bit of the five questions uh, and talk a little bit about that and then kind of leave the rest up for interpretation. so question number one is what is the Clippers next move with the back end of the roster? So the, the signing or the re-signings of Avita Zubats, Mo Harkless and Jermichael Green um, all were reported. The Jermichael signing is the only one that's not official. So the Clippers, I guess, officially have 12 guys on the roster. Uh, the 13th would be Jermichael. He's not officially back yet, but he's going to be back. It's just a matter of timing. Uh, I think, I'm not really sure what the room exception. I probably should look this up, but I'm not, I'm not really sure what the the room exception kind of guidelines are. But if I'm not mistaken, you might get hard capped if you use an exception. Uh, so I, I think the Clippers are evaluating potentially trading for Andre Iguodala, and if they are able to do that, probably a, a deal centered around Mo Harkless. If they're able to do that. I think they'd like to execute that before they re-sign Jermichael, uh, and then they would re-sign Jermichael after um, making that trade. But if not, if they're not able to do that, then they'll just re-sign Jermichael and uh, probably add one more player, head into next season with 14 guys, and then have that open roster spot in case of a trade, in case of a buyout guy. Um, but uh, like, look, the, the team's top goal right now is to add Andre Gudala. I think that's someone that, in the regular season, I'd actually rather have Mo Harkless. Um, I, I think he, even overall, like you, you could probably argue Mo Harkless is a better player than Andre Iguodala, but especially for the regular season grind, um, you know, with, with Kawhi Leonard likely resting fifteen to twenty games, with Paul George uh, potentially missing, you know, the first two to four weeks of the season, maybe less, maybe longer, uh, and then potentially resting at times, like you're going to need you as in the Clippers are going to need wing depth. Uh, to compensate for that, to to you know step up, and I think that's where a guy like Mo Harkless helps. Is he's not the average wing coming off the bench. He's a guy with you know plenty of basically been a starter the last three four years, and you know if he needs to step up and play thirty to thirty five minutes on a given night, you should have the confidence in him that he can do that at a respectable level uh, compared to you know random wing X off the bench. Uh, so. That, that's where I think the, the Clippers depth is such a luxury is that they, they can afford to, you know, have a Kawhi rest or a Paul George rest and have a guy like Mo Harkless or even Rodney Magruder step up, play 25 to 28 minutes, um, you know, Shamit step up, Pat step up, Lou step up. Like they have the depth to, to really, I think, almost not miss a beat without those guys. Like you kind of don't want to say that because I, I just think, Kawhi and Paul George are so good and, um, you know, clearly top 10 guys and, and really, you know, probably the two best two-way players in the league. 
So what they bring on both ends is not replicable by anybody uh, in the in the league. Um, but I, you know, especially on the Clippers. But I do think that the Clippers, for the most part, especially on the offensive end, you know, that's just more shots for Lou, more shots for Sham, uh, more shots for Pat, more playmaking for Pat. Uh, like they they can get by without one of those guys because of their depth. So right now they're trying to add Andre Iguodala. Uh, outside of that, I think the the two glaring holes on the roster are. are you know, a third string point guard and a third string center. Uh, you know, Fee might end up technically being the third string center, or I guess it could be Jermichael Green. Um, you know, he'll get some time there. But I think they need another big body. They really only have three bigs on this team. Uh, it, Zoo, Trez, and, and Jermichael. Uh, again, Mo Harkless can play some four. Uh, Kawhi can play four. Paul George can play four. Even Rodney Magruder could probably play some four. But you do, I think you want at least the fourth big. Uh, and I, I think that's where... For me, my, my the two guys I, I would like the most if I'm surveying the, the free agent market are Joakim Noah and Jeremy Lin. Uh, I also like Tyson Chandler. He just got signed by Houston. But um, I think a guy like Joakim Noah would be solid. You know, I think he, he fits the Clippers culture. Uh, you know, he had that rebirth last year in, in Memphis uh, where you know, he actually played fairly well. And you, you saw... You saw the, the the defense is still there to to an extent. The rebounding, the passion, the hustle, uh, even the playmaking and passing to to varying uh, degrees is still there. You know, he's not he's not the defensive player of the year uh, type guy that he used to be. He's not the MVP caliber guy that he used to be. But um, you know he he's can play eight to ten minutes a night, and that's really all the Clippers would need from him. If that, and really just insurance if if Zubats gets injured if Zubats gets in foul trouble Clippers need another big body like you know that, that's really the, the one thing they're lacking is if again if Zubats, if Zubats gets in foul trouble you're looking at a really a, you know everyone on the team is like six nine and below like that's really the, the one thing this team does not ha- have that great of is size they have a lot of perimeter size they have a lot of perimeter length and, and defensive ability but they don't have a lot of interior size outside of Zubats uh you know Trez is six seven six eight Jamichael's six eight six nine. Like both of those guys are are undersized power forwards um, who, who you know sometimes play center. So I, I just I think the one you know really center more than point guard, but I, I think they could use another point guard. Uh, like I expect Pat and Lou to to really be the primary ball handlers for this team. Uh, you know Pat did it alongside Shea last season uh, in the starting lineup, and, and Lou really is that backup point guard lead ball handler. Like. He is more of a two, yes, but he's shown that you know him running the pick and roll, him finding Trez, him finding shooters, like Lou can do that. And Lou is kind of morphed more into a point guard with the Clippers than he ever had really been, uh, you know, throughout his career. So I think those two positions are set. But again, if one of those two guys goes down, now you're putting a lot of pressure on Landry to step up as a primary ball handler, or or Jerome, or Terrence Mann, and. You don't know if any of those three are, are ready for that. So that's where a guy like Pat, I mean, a, a, a guy like Jeremy Lin could step up and, you know, maybe you start Landry at point, you know, let's say Pat gets injured. Uh, you, you start Landry at point, but then now Jeremy's the backup guy. Or, you know, maybe you start Jeremy as kind of the placeholder and, and you know, he's only playing 15, 20 minutes a night. Then the rest of the time you're, you're playing Lou and Landry a little bit more there uh, off the bench. So, I think for the Clippers looking at, if you're looking at the depth chart and, you know, sort of the roster holes, they could use a third point guard and they could use a third 
you know, power forward center, probably a center just because, you know, Trez and, and Jermichael are smaller. You, you need some more size on the interior. Um, what the starting lineup will look like is the second question. I already covered that a bit. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the stalwarts of the starting lineup, again, are going to be Kawhi, Paul George, Pat, and Zoo, which is going to come down to Jermichael and Landry. I think there's a outside shot. Maybe Mo Harkless could start uh, and the Clippers go small with, with that lineup. But uh, I just think, you know, Jermichael probably makes a little more sense than Mo in terms of banging with, with bigger guys. And I think if, if you're going with Mo, you're, you're probably going to end up switching a lot. You're going to end up with, with, you know, you might just end up with Paul or Kawhi playing up more than they intend to just because of, you know, all three of those guys ability to switch. Whereas Jamichael, I think they will be a little more conservative with it. Uh, you know, where if he's, he's guarding Blake Griffin, he's guarding Julius Randle, like he's going to probably stick to those guys more, but Look, like this is a rough estimation. Nothing has been settled yet. This is just kind of where things stand right now. Uh, question number three, when will Paul George be healthy and ready to play? That's a great question because, and not just because I wrote it, no one really knows. And that's kind of the whole thing looming over this is, I think on paper, the Clippers have the most talent in the league. Again, you know, they're 10-11 deep. They have two top 10 guys. No one else really has that full package of, top end star power and depth the way the Clippers do. Like I think some of the teams with more stars, like the, the Sixers and the Lakers, they don't have that the Rockets. They don't have the same depth the Clippers have. And then maybe some deeper teams like the Bucks, like the Nuggets, like the Jazz, like the Blazers. I don't think they have the same top end star power that uh that, that the, the Clippers have. You know, sure Giannis can can go toe to toe with Kawhi even though Kawhi was just better than him in the playoffs a couple months ago. But, you know, that second guy, like the the difference between Paul George and, and Chris Middleton or Paul George and Eric Bledsoe, that's a huge gap. So uh, same thing with Denver where Jokic can, can you know, probably go relatively toe-to-toe with Kawhi or sort of match him. And, and But then after that, you know, Paul George was Jamal Murray. There's a huge drop-off there. Uh, you know, same thing with the Jazz. You know, the Jazz just – don't even have a, a top 20, top 25 guy. Um, you know, maybe Con- Conley and Gobert kind of borderline top 25, but I wouldn't put either of them top 20. And then the Blazers, like, yeah, you have Dame who, who can go at Kawhi, but I think the gap between CJ and, and Paul is huge. So I really just think that the Clippers on paper have the most talent in the league. But when you think about the, the load management stuff with Kawhi and potentially Paul George, Paul George's uncertainty with the shoulders, we don't know when he's going to be back. Like that could bump them down, you know. Like on paper, I think this is a fifty-seven to sixty-one team, but if those guys are, are missing games, if Kawhi misses twenty games, if Paul George misses ten to fifteen games, that could bump them down to a fifty-two win team, a fifty-three win team. Like that could have a sub, you know, substantial effect on their record potentially. So I would not rule that out in terms of, you know, the Clippers are probably the again the, the best team in the league, the best team in the West. But they might end up having the third best record, the fourth best record, even the fifth best record, depending on how they manage the Stars' minutes, you know, what other injuries occur throughout the course of the season, which is natural for any team. But again, like you're penciling in, you know what you're getting with Kawhi. You're penciling in 15 to 20 games of him resting. You know, last season, he only played more than five consecutive games twice all year. Like Kawhi was resting every three to five games. 
if Kawhi is resting every three to five games this season, that's going to take its toll on the Clippers. And you know, it's going to be nice for the guys who aren't playing as much, uh, you know, Magruder, Harkless, maybe Shamit, maybe Beverly, uh, maybe even Lou. Like those guys will get more minutes w- when Kawhi is resting, but it's just going to kind of be this weird dynamic where, you know, some nights he's playing, some nights he's not. Some nights one guy's starting, some guys another guy's starting. Uh, you know, some nights one guy's getting 15, 6, 6, you know, 16, 17 shots. Another night he's getting six, seven, eight shots. So there's going to be a lot of fluctuation, I think, with, with the roster, uh, with the rotation, with, with the roles, uh, just based on Kawhi's availability and Paul George's availability. You know, this also kind of leads into my question four, which is how will the Clippers load manage their stars? Look, I, I think this had to have been discussed in the Kawhi meeting, you know, like the the whole resting plan, it worked so well for Toronto. He said he believed it helped him in the playoffs, and you got to take him at, at his word that that's something he's probably going to do the rest of his career. Uh, I don't know if that means maybe he rests only ten games, maybe he rests fifteen, maybe twenty, you know, somewhere in there. Um, but maybe he rests twenty two again. Maybe he wants even more rests and rests twenty five. Like I, I don't know what, um, you know, where that you know we, we haven't had the. The Clippers press conference yet. I uh, haven't really been able to get much out of the organization yet on that front. So I, I you know, it's pure speculation right now. But you got to think the dude's probably going to rest 15 to 20 games, and you know, again, that will take its toll on the Clippers' regular season record. I think. And then Paul George. If you're Paul George, again, if you're looking at what Kawhi's doing, uh, you know, hopefully you're not rest. You know, you're probably not resting the same games Kawhi's resting, but you potentially adopt that yourself. And you might say, I might not rest 15 to 20 games, but I might want to take five to 10 games off, um, you know, every, you know, take back-to-backs off or take, you know, one to two games a month off, whatever it is. Like Paul George might adopt that. It would not surprise me. And it would not surprise me if the Clippers suggested it and are proactive and say, hey, like this is working for Kawhi. Why don't we try this with you? Because for the Clippers, you know, the regular season is going to matter, but, if it's, you know, if they can pick being the one seed and Kawhi and Paul George being at 70 to 80% versus being the four or five seed and those guys being 90, 95%, they're going to take being the four or five seed and those guys being 90, 95%, you know, health and, and energy and, and rest. Like you want your superstars to be healthy and available come playoff time. Like that's when it really matters. And for the Clippers, the entire season is going to be about that. It's going to be about preserving the legs and the energy in the health of Kawhi and Paul George. It's about getting those two guys to mid-April healthy, ready to go for a two-month war, uh, you know, a four-playoff round war, hopefully for them. Uh, you know, that's how they're going to look at it. So I, I think this, you know, the entire season is going to be built around how do we accommodate Kawhi and Paul George? What do they want? Um, you know, and, and how do we best fit that in to our schedule and, and what we're doing you know, they're going to be selective with the games they rest. It can't just be, you know, there will be some instances, you know, most likely back-to-backs where it doesn't really matter who the opponent is, but the Clippers also are going to have to be strategic in terms of if we're playing the Lakers, if we're playing the Bucks, if we're playing, you know, Team X, we sh- probably just shouldn't rest them just to rest them if that's the case. If we can hold off and rest them against Cleveland, Orlando, uh, Atlanta, whatever, then, you know, we, we should probably rest them then. And the last question which I think is very interesting. Uh, you know, this might be the most interesting thing with this whole situation uh, of the last week or so is Kawhi Leonard signed a two plus one 
Most people thought he was going to sign a four-year deal. That was the reporting. You're potentially a three plus one or just a, a flat four-year deal. And it, it got it got a lot of people thinking. It got Clippers fans scared. Um, you know, to me, this is a money play. If Kawhi opts out after two years, he'll be eligible for the 10-year max, which is worth 35% of the cap versus 30%. It also has 8% raises. Uh, annual raises versus 5% annual raises. So Kawhi, just by opting out and getting a new contract, is going to make a lot more money. And he, this is a guy who's passed up now, you know, roughly $80 million uh, between San Antonio and Toronto, you know, by leaving San Antonio, passing up on the Supermax, now leaving Toronto, passing up on up to a five-year deal. Uh, he has left a lot of money on the table. So for Kawhi, you know, now he's in the situation he wants to be. He's back in LA. He's with the Clippers. but he needs to go out and, and you know make as much money as possible as, as soon as possible because again this is a guy who you know two years ago played nine games and, and missed most of the season. Um, you know we weren't part of the reason why teams were so afraid to trade for him last summer. Outside of Toronto, who, who pulled the trigger, uh, was because people didn't know how he was going to return. They didn't know how he was going to look. And I think if people knew, look, if people knew Kawhi was going to come back at this version you know, really the, you know, a better version and an all-time great version, uh, you know, the entire league would have been trying to trade for him last summer. And the Spurs would have gotten an insane package uh, for him last summer, but that was not the case. And and really, if you look back at it, it, it's a steal what the Raptors did. You know, it's a steal. They got a championship out of it and they really didn't give up that much. Like you basically traded DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi, which is a no-brainer and, you know, Yaka Pirtle I like, but He's like a you know third big man, and and you, you gave up a a fringe all star, uh, probably not even a fringe all star anymore in Demar, and a a third you know third big man for the best player in the world like that, and you won a championship out of it like that. That's an all time trade for Masai Ujiri and the Raptors. Um, you know they they deserve that after taking the the gamble on Kawhi, but to me Kawhi did the two plus one just for money. It, it's just to secure long term money. Um, you know, upfront sooner than than waiting for year three, waiting for year four. Like he's getting it earlier, and it's also a power play. Like that that's that's the other thing. Like you can't you, you can't sugarcoat that. You, you can't deny that. You can't look past that. Like it is a power play to make sure the Clippers do everything in their power over the next two years to win a championship. Not unlike what LeBron James has done uh, in Cleveland, and you know didn't end up doing it with the Lakers, but did it in Cleveland kind of every summer signing these one plus ones. Uh, to, to kind of keep Cleveland honest, like Kawhi, there's an element of that where Kawhi is basically saying, you know, I can opt out in 2021. Paul George's Paul George can also opt out in 2021. We're on the same timeline here. We can both leave if you guys don't do everything you can to win a championship, to build a championship roster, uh, to really address what I want, what what Paul wants. Like, so so Paul and Kawhi now have a lot of leverage, a lot more leverage than. It looked like they had a, a year ago. I mean, a, a week ago, because you know now they can both opt out in 2021. They can also both opt out in 2022, or you know the will be free agents in, in 2022 uh, with how their contracts are set up. Um, you know, even if they just stand pat. But I think it's interesting that now I think there is more pressure on the Clippers to win a championship over the next two years. I, I don't know what the bare minimum benchmark is. Uh, you know that has, that has not been established yet, at least not publicly. But I think at the minimum, it's make the conference finals. Like if you're looking at, 
what Paul, you know, why Paul George left Oklahoma City. There, there are many reasons, but I think one of them was to really contend and, and try to win a championship. You know, Kawhi is in the regular season the all-time winningest player of all time. Um, and I just said all-time twice. Uh, th- th- that's how all-time it is, as, as I had to say it twice. Uh, you know, Kawhi just win. You know, all he's done is win. San Antonio only won. You know, Toronto won a title. Now, you know, trying to win his, his third title w- with a third different team. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's championship or bust in both years, but I do think it's championship or, or bust in at least one of the, the two years. And definitely conference finals are bust in both years. So, uh, you know, there's a doomsday scenario in which Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both leave in 2021 if things don't go right for the Clippers. Now, that said, I think Kawhi, you know, I would be surprised if he, you know, Barring disastrous events happening, which you can never rule out, like I'd be very surprised if he left in 2021. Uh, same for Paul. Like I think LA's home for both guys. They, they both clearly wanted to be here. You know, Paul had wanted to play for the Lakers previously. That didn't end up working out. But the second this opportunity presented itself, he jumped at it. Uh, you know, Kawhi obviously had wanted to come back to LA since last summer and at the time favored the Lakers, but eventually shifted to the Clippers kind of favored them all season and ended up signing with them. So I think both guys want to be in LA. Both guys want to be home. Uh, so they're going to look to make it work. But there is a always a leverage element in, in these situations. And I think that's kind of what, why Kawhi doing a two plus one, you know, it was, he's going to get his money in 2021 uh, from the Clippers or elsewhere. But I think he's keeping them honest. And, and, and look, at, at the same time, I think the Paul George trade showed that the Clippers are serious. You know, they gave up Shea Gilders Alexander. They gave up, you know, five picks and two pick swaps. Like they did go all in on this situation. They're going to continue to go all in on this situation. Like trading for Andre Iguodala is another all in move. Uh, so I think the Clippers, for their part, are doing what Kawhi and Paul George want. Uh, you know, I think I think again signing a guy like Andre Iguodala is probably something those two want and. I think it's going to be fascinating to see moving forward um, sort of what what those two guys are looking for over the next two years. You know, it probably is a championship and a championship satisfies that for both parties. But, you know, what what is that partnership like with, with Kawhi and Paul George? Um, you know, does I think it's going to fit beautifully where Kawhi is, you know, the, the face of the team, the number one guy. Uh, Paul George is number two, which I think he's more suited to be a number two. But he's going to get the spotlight. Kawhi doesn't want the spotlight. Kawhi doesn't want the media attention. Paul's going to get that. He's going to enjoy that. It's going to be this nice partnership where you know, you're going to probably see Paul more in terms of commercials, endorsements, all that stuff. You're going to see him more talking at practices, you know, post-game, um, doing you know, sports center interviews, whatever. And Kawhi is going to be more behind the scenes still, even though he's, he's you know, going to be the best player, going to be the, the face, the quote-unquote face of the team, the, really the guy who's you know, the team's identity was built around. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's an exciting time for Clippers fans. Um, it's an exciting time for LA basketball with, with what the Clippers are doing, what the Lakers are doing. And uh, I can't wait. Like we, we got another three months, uh, you, know, almost, you know, two and a half months in, until basketball starts. But uh, I'm going to be counting down the days and uh, really looking forward to that. So as always, thank you for listening. Uh, this was a, a long winded podcast, but I uh, had a lot to say, a lot to get off my chest. Um, you know, it's kind of hitting the weird point of the summer where not much is happening. Uh, this was kind of the last, um, you know, big, big kind of 
events, like, you know, maybe the Clippers trade for Iguodala, sign someone else. But, like, outside of that, there's not really much going on. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what I come up with in the coming weeks in terms of content-wise. But, uh, again, I, you know, always appreciate you guys listening to me. Um, you know, as always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. You can read my work at The Athletic. Uh, you can subscribe for the price of a cup of coffee for a one-week free trial. Uh, check it out. Check my stuff out. Check out our other great writers' stuff out. And if you like it, you can keep subscribing. Um, if you don't like it, you, know, you can unsubscribe. But again, I, I never recommend that. And most importantly, subscribe to this podcast, Clip City Podcast, on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, you can search Blue Wire or Clip City on wherever you're listening to this right now, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher. And, uh, and subscribe, rate and review. Um, you know, I, I read all the reviews and I appreciate all the positive ones. Really, has been nothing but positive ones. So thank you guys. Uh, I will be back next week. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about yet, but I'll come up with something. And I hope you guys will enjoy it. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for more information on how to get treatment. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for the LGBTQ plus community, a confidential program for first responders and service members, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for help. rcahelp.com slash podcast.